everybody. All right, we're going to go ahead and try that one again. Good morning, everybody. There we go. You guys want to stand up and worship with us this morning? This is like an acoustic, um, you know, band type of thing, but we're going to enjoy it. It's going to be church karaoke tonight. So here we go. the world. I search the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise, treasures and things are never enough. Then you came along and put me Thank you. 
that karaoke? Good. Let's let's pray, and we're just so glad that you guys are here this morning. Um, if I could see you, I'd, I'd smile real big at you, but there's a big old light right there in my face, so I, I think that there are people out there. Um, grateful to have you here this morning, and um, just pray that this will be a time of renewal for you this morning, that you will hear God in a new way, and that you will turn your face to Jesus this morning. So let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for your presence with us and how you have promised to walk with us. And so this morning we give this time to you, we give ourselves to you, and we trust that you are going to do a work in our hearts and minds this morning. And so we say yes ahead of time, because we know that you can be trusted with our lives. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Sweetest of love. 
Um, I'm just going to say a prayer for us now. Dear Lord in heaven, thank you so much for being here with us this morning and for giving us a place to come and worship you together. Thank you for being with us during the service and for letting us feel your presence. Thank you so much for all that you do for us, Lord. Thank you for the congregation that we have and the community that we have where we can come and be a family together and worship you. We love you so much, Lord. I ask that you'll continue to be with us throughout this service and that you'll be with Pastor Jen as she gives her sermon. Let her be able to touch the hearts and the minds and the spirits of your people, Lord, and bring us all closer to you today. Bring us all closer to you for this year. We praise you in everything that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. And here today, we're doing circus tricks in church. Oh, my goodness. Let's pray real quick. Lord Jesus, we welcome you. Thank you for being with us. I pray that the words on these pages won't hinder the work of your spirit and that you will open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. We love you, Jesus. Amen. So I spent a good part of elementary school at the roller skating rink in Greensboro, North Carolina, off of High Point Road. Most Saturdays, you would find me um, zipping around that shiny wooden floor. I was really good. Listen, I was so good, y'all. I was so good 
that I would win the limbo contests in the middle. So not only could I skate, I was flexible. Things change, people. Things change. And then one day this newfangled invention came out, long after I was born, the roller blade. And you can see that I'm not so good at it. I'm going to have to hold on. I might need, like, um, you know, people who play the piano have someone that they come and turn the pages for them. I might need that. So, Kimmy, be, be ready in case, in case I just need to hold on. I'm not going to move very much. Oh, Lord. <laughs> this is also why I don't ice skate, okay, because it's the same idea except you're cold. So it's not a good combo. Um, I actually tried to ice skate a couple of months ago with Garen and the girls, and I had to hold on, you know, to the ledge going around the whole time. Of course, I'm cackling the whole time that I'm making my way around. And But there was a dude that was standing on the side talking to his wife. And so I see him, and I'm, and I'm coming up on him, and I'm like, uh-oh, I'm going to have to, like, go around him. So instead, I just screamed at him. <laughs> I said, you're blocking my ledge. And so thankfully, he moved, and he laughed at me. But it's okay. I didn't, I didn't break anything. I didn't fall down. Um, have you ever felt like that, a little out of balance, a little wobbly? I think that change can do that to us. It can feel a lot like putting on rollerblades for the first time, or in my case, maybe the tenth. It challenges our sense of balance and control, right? And balance and control are things that in our society we actually really strive for. It's something that we celebrate and we shoot for it. And I think it's just due to our human nature. We, we like to feel like we have a plan. We like to feel like we are in control. We like to have our stuff figured out. Right? Yeah. This isn't anything new. This has um, been going on for a long, long time. And our passage this morning is an example of that feeling. In Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12, Uh, This is the account of the wise men who go seeking the Christ child. Matthew 2. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. This is what the prophet said. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people, Israel. 
Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that star, that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. In the Christian calendar, and especially in some cultures, um, my, my friends from Puerto Rico really know how to celebrate this day. January 6th is Epiphany. It's a day that we celebrate the moment of insight when the wise men searched for and found Jesus. The light bulb moment. Um, or as my friend and former pastor Dana would say, it was a V8 moment. I can't think of Epiphany without thinking of my friend Dana. Um, I should have had a V8, that commercial. For the wise men, it was an overwhelming time of joy. But for others, uh, that's a different story. Let's, let's look at the passage again. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? Whoop! For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And so um, he, he was frightened. Uh, Jerusalem was frightened with him, which begs the question, why? Why were they frightened? Well, let's read on. In calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for it has been written by the prophet. And it goes on to say, from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So, Herod's sense of control was being shaken. And I get his fear. I mean, he knew his days were numbered as the one in charge. And, of course, this wasn't welcome news to him. Like, he really liked being in charge. He liked being the one making the decisions. He liked being the one in power. I mean, he had been appointed by the Romans to be the king, He loved grand palaces. He um, loved to build great things. Do y'all know he was even the president of the Olympics at one point? I know, new information to me too. Yeah. Um, This is another interesting fun fact about Herod. He's the one that rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem. He's the one that did it. But before you think that this is a good guy, he was not. (laughs) 
He was not a good guy. In fact, um, he was paranoid. He was a tyrant, and he was hungry for control and power. He sunk into such madness that when he heard about this new child who was born, he ordered that all the infant boys be killed in Bethlehem. So I guess you could say this man was not open to change. Um, He was not really open to giving up control, right? This isn't surprising. But what I find interesting in this passage is the next part where it says, and all Jerusalem with him. So clearly these folks had heard the prophecies. They knew that this would be a good change for them. So why? Why were they afraid? Because, friends, change messes with our equilibrium. It gets us off kilter. It makes it necessary for us to hold on to something sturdy. These people knew that things were going to get messy. Their king was unpredictable and unkind and would stop at nothing to have his way, which meant they would likely be caught in the crosshairs of his madness. So, so yeah, yeah, I I get their fear. For others, though, in Jerusalem who had an allegiance to the king and to Rome, their fear was probably one of loss that they were going to lose some of their perks. They wouldn't have kind of a leg up on other people because their person wasn't in charge. Now, I will say it's easy for me 2,000 years later to step back and look at this passage and think about all of the sociological implications and the historical significance and keep it at arm's length. I mean, we've heard this story like a thousand times, right? It's really easy for us to put this in that, oh yeah, we know that category. We know that story. We good. But I believe that there is real transformation to be found in this passage. One of our core values here at Pionaz is that we don't stay the same. Which sounds great at first sight. I mean, of course, we all want our lives to be different and better and more whole, don't we? But as the old saying goes, everyone wants a revolution, but no one wants to do the dishes. Everybody wants the end product, but nobody really wants to go through the process that change brings. It's messy. Challenging. It takes discipline and faithfulness and patience. So, when we say here that we don't stay the same, it means that we build habits into our lives that intentionally challenge our equilibrium. And we have to hold on to something sturdy all the time. It means we put ourselves in a posture to be shepherded and led by Jesus.
there's a man named John Henry Newman, and he um, has a famous quote that says, To live is to change, and to be perfect or complete is to have changed often. I'm going to read it again. To live is to change, and to be perfect or complete is to have changed often. Doesn't that sound like something that you would see at Hobby Lobby on one of those wooden boards? Sounds like really inspirational and you can hang it in your kitchen. Um, yeah, but what it means is that to be complete, we live in a pretty constant state of discomfort. Yay! That sounds great. Sign me up, Jen. I just love being uncomfortable, says no one ever. I mean, why on earth would I stand here, kind of, and tell you today that I want you to be uncomfortable? Why would I tell you that it's actually really good news? Because it is. Because when our equilibrium is a little messed up, when our sense of control is challenged, when we aren't sure how we will take the next step, that's when we can grab onto Jesus who is sturdy and faithful, dependable and strong. I don't know about you, but I actually resonate with a lot of the characters in this story. I even resonate with Herod, sadly. I like to be in control of my life. I like to be in charge of my next step. I don't like anybody telling me what to do. I like to know what's ahead, and I really like a plan that I can count on. I don't like being uncomfortable. I don't like feeling off balance. I don't particularly like it when I feel challenged to make some changes in my life. However, while I build habits in my life that challenge my equilibrium, the same habits teach me that I can absolutely trust Jesus. He's going to hold on to me and he's going to lead me. I, um, I've taken some time over the past couple of weeks uh, to reflect just on how I want to live my life. And I've noticed that there are certain practices that when I am intentional about them, yeah, they make me feel uncomfortable sometimes. They challenge my equilibrium a little bit. But they also have given such life And so I've decided that I want to make them more of a priority in my life. The first is intentional time of rest and gratitude. Intentional, because while getting good sleep is very important, and I've not gotten much this week, um, that's not exactly what I have in mind. I'm talking about Sabbath where I find my identity in Jesus. 
not in what I do or what I produce. It's intentional because gratitude isn't passive. You kind of have to work at it because it's super easy to complain and notice all of the stuff that you don't like. How many of you would agree that it's a lot easier to complain than it is to find the good? Yeah, it takes practice to be grateful. And it messes with our equilibrium because we're conditioned to work and then rest. Right? We're conditioned to celebrate fast successes and exponential growth more than steady faithfulness. We want our lives to be just so and we want it to be over already and we want to do better and be better and we think if we just take control of it, we can make it happen. How's that working for you? The spiritual habit of rest and gratitude put us in a posture of trust. When we hold on to Jesus, friends, we find joy in the journey. So take a breath right now. Just take a deep breath. And consider your life. How is your joy? The second habit that I want to incorporate in my life more is connection. And when I, when I say that, I mean connection with God on a consistent basis and connecting with others in meaningful ways. This is where the practice of prayer and showing up at church and reading the Bible and walking alongside others comes in. Yeah, it's important. But these are the things that tend to fall at the wayside when we get busy or tired. Am I right? They do for me. This kind of connection messes with our sense of balance a lot. Why? Because it's counterintuitive. We look at the hours in our day and the checklist of the things that we have to do, and it doesn't equate. We're already overwhelmed with life. Right? Yeah, we are. So this is my challenge. Ten minutes. Ten minutes a day to start. Ten minutes of connecting with God through reading scripture, even if it doesn't make any sense to you right now. And praying. I get really distracted. And so it's helpful for me to write out my prayers. And they don't have to be long. But they're moments of intentional connection with God. And then I challenge you to find someone to encourage. Send a text. Walk across the street to a neighbor. Pick up the phone. Find someone. How long will it take? 
to send that encouraging note. Won't take long. That's it for now. See how it changes you. I mean, it might feel a little bit out of balance right now, but I promise Jesus will hold on to you. And you might be pretty amazed at how much time you actually have. I'm convinced, just like you crave the things that you eat, you crave what you do. Think about that. The things that you do, you want to do more of, or you tend to do more of just because you do it. My prayer is that we will begin to crave grabbing on to Jesus by grabbing on to Jesus. Alan Creter wrote, In the first two centuries of the church, it was not Christian worship that attracted outsiders. It was Christians who attracted them. To which author and pastor Rich Velotas added, The best witness we have as the church is not our programs, but our transformed lives. Transformed lives. Time connecting with Jesus and others. My friends, it will transform your life. Over and over and over and over and over again. Finally, I want to be more of a learner. Yeah, I want to learn new skills, and I encourage you to do that because it helps your brain from turning to mush. Um, That's what I hear. But along with learning new skills... I believe it's good to be a lifelong learner of the character of Jesus. This might be the most off-balance thing that you give yourself to. Because it will require all of us to let ourselves be beginners again. Every day. Even when we've been following Jesus for a long time. Because it requires humility and perseverance. Kind of like me on these rollerblades. If I could get on a soapbox with these things on, this would probably be it. It is, oh hear this. It is imperative that people who claim to follow Jesus understand who it is they are following. We have a whole culture of people who call themselves Christian who have no intention of becoming like Christ. And this is a problem. Maybe they jump on the bandwagon of someone who says they follow Jesus, but whose life looks nothing like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control. As I told someone the other day who was telling me about something they heard on the news, (laughs) I said, if it doesn't walk, talk, or look like Jesus, it ain't Jesus. But friends, we have to know what Jesus looks like to know which other voices to listen to. 
And too many of us have not spent the time. I know, it sounds hard. It's not. Y'all, read the Gospels. Spend time learning about Jesus. The stories will change your life. They will change you in the best ways. Learn about his compassion. Learn about his love for the outcast. Learn about how the people he spoke harshly to weren't the ones on the outside. It was the insiders who were careless and selfish. Learn about how he bent down to wash the feet of others and healed them or fed them. This Jesus. Learning about him will most definitely knock you off kilter. Oh, I hope it does. And grabbing onto him will most definitely give you peace and hope like you have never known. Hear these words from Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. That sounds good. I do want to go back to our original passage for a moment. Because we haven't talked much about um, these wise men who were so central to this story. I mean, we, we include them in our little wooden nativity set, so they're probably important, right? I think we, we need to pay attention to them. And yes, it's true, they were the first non-Jewish people to worship Jesus. And that's important for those of us who are not Jewish. And there's a lot to unpack with these important people, and maybe we will do that another day. The most profound and maybe the most mundane part of their account is the last verse. They left for their country by another road. They decided to go another way. After they encountered Jesus, they went about things differently. Yeah, they went home. Back to their everyday lives, but they went another way. We may leave this place today and go back to our everyday lives, but we don't have to go back the same way. We don't have to stay the same. My prayer is that today we will begin changing. That a change will begin in us even now. One that's continuous. One that keeps us 
off balance. May you be unstable. May you not be able to depend on your own two feet for control. May you be a learner, a beginner, a connector. May you find your rest and identity in Jesus alone. May you live in such gratitude that your life becomes an outpouring of God's Spirit on those around you. And friends, may you be so off kilter that you hold on to Jesus for dear life. Let's pray. Lord, we confess. We confess that we like to have control. We like a plan. We like for things to go our way. We don't like to feel off kilter. Lord, we confess that we think we can do things better. I mean, we wouldn't really say that to you because you're God. But that's the way that we feel. We think that we could do a better job at our lives than you. Clearly, because so many times we... Uh, take back control. God, I pray that at the beginning of this year, it may be a year filled with a lot of the same things. Going back to our everyday lives, doing the same things that we do most days we go to work we come home we make dinner we do all the stuff but God I pray that we will go home another way I pray that we will have the discipline to put into practice some habits that knock us off balance a little bit so that we have to hold on to you. Lord, will you help us to be obedient, whatever that looks like? Will you help us to take risks, to be scared? Will you help us when we get that nagging feeling in the pit of our stomach that we're supposed to do something, that we do it? Lord, I want to crave more of you. I hope my friends do too. But God, I know that if I don't take intentional time to spend with you, I'll crave other things instead. God, change us continually. May we not be the same tomorrow as we are today. And on Tuesday, will you do it again? 
and next week and next month so that we can come back to this day a year from now and say, look what God has done. Look what God has done. And so, God, today, I, I want to put myself in a posture of trust with you. Will you help me? And will you help us as a church? Because, God, the world doesn't need more Christians who don't look like Jesus. They need to see people who have been transformed by him. Transform us. Change us. Make us in to the image of who you are. And put us to work for the people around us that you love so desperately. We say yes. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, can you see we, we mix things up a little bit? Um, maybe because I was going to be on rollerblades. Um, will you stand with me? Because this is um, after hearing a sermon about connecting. What we normally do at the beginning of the service is we pass the peace to each other. We're going to do it now. We're crazy like that. What? Man. So, because one of these habits is meaningful connection, what I'd like for you to do is just not just say hi and pass the peace to someone, but really look someone in the eye and say, my prayer is that you experience God's peace today. Will you do that? Does that make you feel off kilter? <laughs> it's okay. You'll be all right. Um, connect with someone maybe you don't know. We've got some, some new faces this morning. Will you do that? Will you break out of your comfort zone just a little bit and introduce yourself to someone that you've not met yet? So let me say to you, my friends, may the peace of Christ be with you today. Thank you. Please extend that peace to each other. And I'm going to take these rollerblades off.
Now, we are not done, so don't leave. We still have a few things that we're going to do. So go ahead and make your way back to um, back to your seats. I love this. I love um, I love extending peace to each other right before we receive communion. And so uh, I love this. Just when you just when you thought you could you could dart out the door, you cannot. This morning, as we come to this um, this time of sharing at the table that has been set for us by Jesus Himself, probably um, something that really threw his friends off balance that night. Because they thought that they knew how things were going to go. They had ideas about the kind of leader Jesus would be. And boy, did he throw them for a loop. On that night that they were together, they were sharing a normal meal. A normal meal that they did every year at Passover. This wasn't anything new to them. And yet that night, Jesus threw things out of balance for them. When he lifted up the bread and he broke it, and he explained to them that this represented him and his body, which would be broken for them. Off kilter, for sure. And in the same way, he took the cup and he lifted it up and he blessed it and sang a song. And he said, this represents my blood, which will be shed for you for the forgiveness of your sin. Take it, drink it, drink all of it and be thankful. So friends, this morning when we come to the table, my prayer is that you will consider. The disciples had an idea of what Jesus was going to do. But he did things much differently. And because of that, lives forever changed. And so I wonder what it is he wants to do in your life that might be unexpected. And if you're willing to say yes to that. What I'd like for you to do when you come up for um, communion is we're going to kind of line up in this, uh, this area right here and then you can circle around to that area. And Roger, I don't mind coming, coming that way either. So when we're done. Um, let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to this table with gratitude and joy and celebration. Yes, we know that this is a moment of real contemplation, and we take this with the utmost seriousness and respect. And yet we know, 
we know that we can celebrate the work that you have done for us, in us, and the work that you're going to do through us. Will you take these elements? Will you bless them so that we can be a blessing to those around us? Jesus, thank you. We love you. Amen.